1: 7 right, 7.36 on a uh, rainy Tuesday morning. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, as we uh, show some love to our friend Sam McEwen of the Omaha World-Herald. Good morning. Good morning. That's, that's kind of Well, uh, You know, you're one of my uh, faves. Hey, speaking of favorites, now that the Super Bowl is over, when do you think people start nowadays getting deep into college basketball season?
2: Right about now. Um, you know, I think maybe next week maybe it's kind of like rivalry week starts to kick off um, right before the conference tournaments. I've always actually kind of liked the conference tournaments. A lot of people don't like them because it helps me familiarize myself with
0: <laughs>
2: some of the teams I'm going to be uh, yeah. picking for the bracket or betting on. Like I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily get to see all the teams during the season. And so I try to spend a little time that week uh, you know, watching a Mountain West tournament yeah. late at night and seeing some teams—that's that's usually what I do. But I think uh, probably right about now, and people are going to find that it's wide open. That it's yep. it's not a, a top-heavy year. Uh, true in women's basketball as well. There's only one great team in women's basketball this year. Ooh, they are good. Um, But yeah, in men's basketball, there isn't a great team, and so. The fun thing about this year is that it could, you know, you could have sixteen to twenty different teams in the final four. You don't have that one team that's just like unbeatable. Yep. Uh, so it, it we'll we'll see what
1: happens. Well, and we could have Kentucky and North Carolina playing in the uh, NIT if things are trending this way. Uh, let's just something you wrote about yesterday that has been discussed was the size of the roster, and we've kind of, you know, the, the coaches that have come through have all had different opinions on the size of the roster. We're never going to be like when Coach Osborne was in charge and that bulk of a roster. It just is not manageable, and you're not, you're not going to do it these days. But but Callahan all the way to Matt Rule's idea of the ideal roster and as things have changed with numbers and Title Nine and just what you want to do in your practice plan. You wrote about it yesterday, and, and it was a really good thoughts from your standpoint because I think we talked about this on air before. But in the current state of college football, to be successful Monday through Friday, to give you an advantage on Saturday, what do you think is the current day's benefit of a walk-on program?
2: There's still benefit to having, obviously, about 45 to 50 walk walk-on, which is probably the direction that it's trending in. You absolutely need those players in your program, not only because some of them will develop as starters, but they're also players. Who are going to be very valuable over the course of you know four or five years in terms of developing starters, um, becoming special teams guys, having you know a full, well-rounded roster of of players who can affect each other in positive ways. And the way that the walk-on program is going at Nebraska, it's going to move into a, a, a kind of space where you're getting a kid who you know very may very well have been somebody, if you know, this is what Nebraska wants, get somebody who might be a starter at South Dakota or South Dakota yeah. State or North Dakota State. Um, they want to be able to compensate, you know, through Austin money and through NIL, walk on to be able to, to flourish at Nebraska financially um, because the cost of, of school has gone up. I think the, one of the biggest differences between Coach Osborne's days and now really is the cost of, of education. Like, it's good point. it's way more expensive. And so you can't, It it gets harder for a kid up until the NIL money a couple years ago to justify um, paying full freight at the University of Nebraska um, versus getting a scholarship somewhere else. I mean, that's just a kid feels that responsibility to his parents. And and so I think it really was becoming challenging. And that's not something that Coach Elson had to deal with quite as much. College was a lot cheaper in 1990. And so I think that's something that's changed. Uh, that maybe they can help with some NIL or all money to to help offset the cost of schooling. Um, but at the same time, you know what Scott Frost was trying to do is he was all, ultimately he was trying to honor Osborn by building the thing up. And, yeah. and the reality is the last thirty walk-ons on the program were just too many. Mm-hmm. They you, they're just I don't know what purpose they were necessarily serving. Um, and that's I think one of the reasons why it's going down. I also think it's going down because Nebraska wants to be Title Nine compliant. And they want to be Title Nine compliant in a way that doesn't say, well, let's add all these you know athletes to the swim and track teams and then they're not in the, the, the team photo mm-hmm. because, you know, they're not really gonna compete. That's not that's not the yeah. spirit of Title Nine. Right. So I think they're trying to make proportionality in a more reasonable way.
0: Yeah, and, and Sam, I even we were kind of discussing this briefly earlier today. At what point and you mentioned like the last thirty Walk ons, at what point were you kind of look at this as a coach and say, hey, less is more when it comes to, especially given coaches in a position that Matt Rule are in where they really want to develop. So you're taking the group that you have with the walk ons and maybe a smaller group than what we've seen before and you're maximizing their reps where those guys are getting the most opportunity to develop to where you get so many walk ons where what are you able to really develop when they're just not that many reps and that much development to go around?
2: Yes. So you know, I think that one of the biggest challenges of of the of the system is that if just imagine for a second that you had a two deep of offense and defense. Well, that's forty four players right there. Mm-hmm. That's that's a two deep, and then you have forty four more mm-hmm. who might be working with the backup. Well, that's eighty eight. You're at eighty eight players. Right. <clears throat> they had another seventy players mm-hmm. on them. And again, that last thirty, I think it just makes it hard. You know, I think I don't. I think they were in part doing. it. They had like a fifth or sixth string kicker, or, um, you know, fourth or fifth string punter, and that, that, that you know, those guys are not probably going to get on the field. And um, so I think they were just adding players to add them, and, and, and it just again, it, it costs a lot of money. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of things around it that, that were not very effective. And so I think uh, making the alterations they made were a good
1: idea. You know, we're in an area where we've got some really good FCS programs where, you know, they have to weigh, some kids weigh a Nebraska walk-on offer with going to, let's say, you know, national champion South Dakota State. Um, You know, Luke Grimer was in that situation until Nebraska uh, stepped up their game. But how much, and and those have kind of affected some decisions on potential walk-on candidates that Nebraska wanted to make as preferred. How do you think the portal, will affect walk-on programs around the country on how you build your walk-on program or maybe a guy you would have pursued as a walk-on in the past, you say, hey, maybe it's better you go to Brookings and then maybe we'll follow your progress and you can end up back here.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think it has changed the impact of the walk-on program when you can go out and get a player, especially on the offensive line, who's been in in a D1 program for three or four years uh, sign that guy. Um, now you got to sign him to a scholarship usually, um, but you can go sign that guy and you feel like you're getting a player that's more uh, finely developed uh, than, than maybe somebody that's been a third stringer in your program. Um, I think that's that's absolutely a reality. Um, the transfer portal is going to become that. I do think it would be really smart for, for Coach Rule to, to, to try to take a guy from the big sky and Missouri Valley every year. Um, because I think there are good players in both those leagues. Most of the, most of the teams in those leagues are state schools and big state schools. Mm-hmm. Montana, Montana State, North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa. Um, they're, they're just big schools, and they have a lot of money, donor money behind them, and so they have good facilities. Mm-hmm. They have good developmental programs. Their coaches are usually on the way up. They usually have very good coaches. And so there's some advantages there. For example, I would say there's some advantages in the Big Sky and in the Missouri Valley that you don't even necessarily see in some of the Group of Five schools. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it can be hard in some of those schools, especially when you're talking fit in terms of players. I mean, there's some there's some terrific football players in Conference USA and in the Sun Belt, but the Big Ten's not a lot like either week. There, there's even though. Obviously, the Sunbelt has taken a bite out of Nebraska the last five, six years. That leaks not a ton like the Big Ten, and so you, you've got to go find players who fit your league. And I think the Big Sky in the Missouri Valley is a good way of doing that because a lot of those teams are like the Big Ten.
0: Well, and Sam, we've seen you bring up the Big Sky? We've seen some players come out that worked for Nebraska when it comes to wide receiver. We've seen special teams. You know, when you do think of going that route, and maybe this is where. You know, you do scale back on that more of a traditional walk-on sense, but kind of like what Sharpie brought up about, you know, using the transfer portal as sort of additional resources with the walk-on. Is there? Do you kind of look at a certain position group where you feel like you can bring those guys in? Because I I, I continue to think of offensive line and trying to build depth and having the, again, going back to that word reps, having those guys where they had a lot of quality reps at their previous stop, that that's an area where maybe they're not coming in Ready to start, but those are guys that can build a lot of depth around the trenches.
2: Maybe I actually think the best place for for transfer portal is you, you. We've already seen it. Is you can go get a receiver mm-hmm. or a DB, and then who can help you? Um, and I think that's you know certainly been true in Nebraska. Um, there's a lot of really. There's not that much difference between you know an elite receiver at the FCS level or at a group of five level or even at a five level and you know, a, a receiver that you might recruit. So, you know, Billy Camp's going to come in and I think have a profound impact on the program. Um, that would be, you know, one of the names that you would, you would initially think of, I think with the offensive line. Now they got, they got Ben Scott for the one year from Arizona state. And that, that's good. I, I think there's a relationship that he has with the Rayola family that made that happen. I think it's very, very hard to get great offensive linemen out of the portal unless you're willing to pay pony up the money uh, mm-hmm. or you've got a really good program. And we saw Nebraska lose out on a guy that they recruited very well in, uh, for AJ Cornelius who went to Oregon and then Walter Rouse flip from Nebraska to Oklahoma, um, and so they ended up with Ben Scott. And, and again, there's a relationship there that kind of helped them out much like a several years ago when Alex Lewis went in the pool yeah, and, yep. and Nebraska got him because his dad played here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to get good linemen out of the pool because they're so they're, they're in such great need and it's the hardest position to develop really well. Um, I think, you know, defensive linemen too, but offensive linemen are hard to find really good ones. They're hard to find. And so, um, yeah, if you can get them out of there, and, and and you don't feel like you're burning up your your NIL bank uh, trying to get them, then then certainly that's great. I think where Nebraska is going to go is in supplementing, um, you know, skill positions, and then this it's it's an experiment. and We can talk about this more another time. I don't know if the guys that they got from Georgia and Florida um, are are going to pan out. I, I we'll see. I think a couple of them will, but. But it remains to be seen whether a player who was a, basically a second or third stringer at Georgia and Florida will be a good first stringer at Nebraska. Um, people thinking that M.J. Sherman and Chief Borders are, are the equivalent of O'Shawn Mathis need to think again. They, they haven't played near the snaps that Mathis did at TCU, And so they're going to have to prove themselves, and, and and that has not yet been proved.
1: Sam McKeown of the World Herald joining us. Uh, really, really informative and, and a really good conversation Jessica over at the Husker Radio Network, sat down with Corey Campbell. And yeah. they went through a lot of different things. And it's it's almost like, Sam, Trev had a, a checklist when Matt Rule took over to share with his guys of things that he observed that Nebraska missed on steps through this whole process. And these guys have all said kind of those things that have been missing that that's what we want to focus on. But strength and conditioning, there's there's the talk of – the way he described it, Corey Campbell did, and he's got a lot of energy, and, you know, I think we do this with all the strength and conditioning coaches at first start, we're enamored by him. And then as time yep. goes on, we're like, well, what happened? He made a comment about mm-hmm. building this team as a to play in the Big Ten. And that's the first time I've heard a strength and conditioning coach say that. Does Nebraska look like a Big Ten team to you before a Corey Campbell shows up to run strength and conditioning?
2: In a lot of ways, they, they grew into that. Um, I think they were they they were a big enough team. I think by the time that that Zach Duvall left, in terms of mm-hmm. size of linemen, um, I think Matt Rule wants them to be even bigger. So I think if you if you talk to Matt, I think you'll sense that he wants a really big offensive line, maybe maybe Minnesota big, um, and then he wants to be able to play defense with with big guys, but also with guys that you can move around and and, and do some multi-positional things with. Um, I think Gamble's comments are are well taken. I think Rule has probably spent a lot of time thinking about the specific context that Nebraska finds itself in. Um, I thought I think Polini, through no fault of his own, went from one league to another and 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 had to adjust and struggled to do so defensively, did not struggle to do so offensively, if we're honest. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know Mike Riley never really got there. And then Scott Frost thought he was going to do something different. He thought he was going to he was going to have some sort of power spread and, and be the fastest team in the Big Ten and and use scheme and and formula to to overpower opponents. And uh, he was proven to be wrong. I mean, it, it didn't work. Um, and so you know Nebraska hired kind of a scheme and an approach, and it, it didn't work. And, and now I think rules going to be a lot more intentional about okay, so how do we win games in this specific context? Mm-hmm. And how do we win games against these specific teams? And he's got a challenge too. Nobody ever gets it easy in this league. He's got a very specific context this year. Then that context may change. And you may be very quickly in a situation where you're no longer having to worry about how you beat Minnesota every year right. or how yeah. you beat Wisconsin. You may be in a you may be in a context where you have to beat, you know, a menu of teams. That okay, how do you beat Maryland and how do you beat Michigan and how do you beat Penn State and how do you beat UCLA? And these teams are different. You know, like they're not going to be the same as as, as Minnesota and Wisconsin. I mean, Maryland's kind of a spread team. Penn State can do some of the power stuff, but they've got better athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different pieces in there that'll be challenging for rule, but. But I appreciated what Campbell had to say. Um, I think they're trying to go about it in an intentional way. I think they will learn pretty quickly uh, that it's not easy to win games in this league. It's not always about quarterback play. A lot of times it's about how well your defense can play and how they can get the opponent off the field. And, and then you've got to find a way to, to, to win games by three to seven points. And that's not always that's not always a walk in the park. Um so, yeah, they've, they've got their work cut out for them. What I would say about strength and conditioning, and, I, you know, I mean, look at me. I don't know that much about it. Huh, but I thought Nebraska's strength was okay. I felt like its movement skills need to get a little mm-hmm. better. Yeah. I think they need to get a little bit more explosive because I thought Nebraska wasn't as explosive a team as as you would want it to be uh, along the line of scrimmage and even among some of the skilled players. So um, I think uh, I think explosiveness. Is something that I'll be looking for with this new group.
1: Yeah, I I latched onto the word uh, fluidity. Is what it seemed like Nebraska yeah. would 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 look good coming off the bus, so to speak. But then as the season went along, they would lose that uh, fluidity. Yeah, bus team. Yeah. I, I agree with you. He he's got a challenge, but it just you know it, it's it. I'm always fascinated to hear initial reaction from coaches, and I, and I think they're 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 playing the long game. Doesn't it appear to you like from Matt Rule to the strength and conditioning coach, anybody else that has talked publicly? They are playing the long game. We all want it to happen quick and pop, but these guys are talking, hey, in three to four years, we want guys to look like this. So they're saying, we're going to be here for a while, and we're not going to skip anything. So then when we get to year three and four, this is rolling, and we're not looking back.
2: Yep, I, I totally agree with you, and that's where I'm at. I don't know that all the media will be there. I think that there's just a natural inclination once the summer comes around if suddenly you think the team can win eight or nine games, I think there is a huge rebuilding project to do here. It won't be easy. I do think Rule's well-positioned because of the way he is and his ability to maybe manage a whole bunch of different details. But, you know, as you grow older in life, this doesn't have necessarily to do with football for You just learn the complications of life and the crap that slows you down. And, you know, moving slows you down and, And, you know, complications at work or complications with your kids' schools slow you down in life. Nebraska's going to go through a massive transition with Matt Rule. They're going to switch out a bunch of roster guys who have to leave because they're on scholarship and they're way over. They're going to move into a new building, and that always takes time. Don't pretend that it doesn't. They're going to move into a new building. They're going to learn the league for the first time. Then the league's going to change, and the schedules are going to be different after one year of being in the league. And then, they're, and then let's say they get the quarterback of their dream, and they just might. That's a change, because once you bring in the number one player in the country, who you are as a program changes, whether yeah. anybody wants to yeah. say that or not. Once you bring in the number one quarterback in the country, if Nebraska is able to do that, then you reorient how you think about your offense because you have this superstar talent. All of those things are going to take time to work through and think about nothing is easy from here on out for Nebraska football. If they if they get it done and they win eight, nine games a year, it will be because of incredible work, incredible intelligence, and a little luck. Nothing will be easy.
1: I agree. Sam, we appreciate it. Thank you for your time. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. That's uh, Sam McEwen. Uh, Reference Dylan Riola who Mike Schaefer, crystal Ball, I, yeah. I love Schaefer on uh, Friday. Dylan Riola Remains number one in the uh, rivals rankings for 2024. All right, we'll take a break. Come back in the next hour. Ed Service is going to join us. Baseball is back. Hey, we're not putting Ed on second base as we reach the no. third hour of the show. I actually like it. Do you? I, I was wondering. And I know I'm in the minority. I'm know I I'm supposed to be old school, but I, I, I like it. I don't detest it. The now going to be permanent wear in extra innings in Major League Baseball. You put the runner on second base. Yeah, The pandemic got us this. I didn't think it would stick. A lot of talk to a lot of general managers. They will they detest it. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm not. It's, just, it's a little old school, new school conversation. Yeah, what you guys all should be worried about is you're about to see a blank show in spring training with some of the rule changes in baseball, whether it be shifting or the mm-hmm. pitch clock. Yep. Just prepare yourself. Yep. Now, in the World Baseball Classic, they are not using these rules. Right. But in spring training, it's going to be a nightmare to begin. Okay? Yep. It's going to be ugly to begin. Those are the rules that people should be focusing more on instead of the extra inning, quote-unquote, ghost runner. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm supposed to be old school, right? I'm supposed to hate it? I actually You're don't. not supposed to. don't mind yeah. it. I
0: don't mind it. I'm open-minded when it comes to the sport that I probably love the most but this one to me is it has been unnecessary. The inconsistency of the regular season to the postseason of having it in the regular season and not in the postseason. Like, we do it
1: in football. We do it in the NFL with I, overtime rules.
0: Right, but uh, and I'm not a fan of that to be totally honest. I just I like consistency and this there are things that I feel like in like uh, for, for instance the pitch clock. I first I did not think I would like it and you get to a point where you don't notice it. And so that's that was one where I'm like, yeah, you know what I, I can I can resist it a little bit then I see a play. I'm like, okay, I don't notice it i'm I'm okay with it. this one I've seen again in it through its sample size now where I'm like it to me is unnecessary. now I
1: would have liked to see it start in the 12th inning instead of right away. but here we go we got a sense of urgency now Let's see go. now see I could
0: be on board with that yeah, if, a lot
1: of games a lot of games don't go past 11, 11 right. 11th inning but here's my thing pitching has changed rules have changed how pitchers are used. I don't want to see the catcher pitching. Right. Okay. I don't want to see yeah, the right that. fielder yeah, throwing a forty six mile an hour knuckleball right. or an ethos pitch. I get that. I,
0: I'm I'm with you there, and I could be talked into all right, once we get even get to the eleventh, you know, you give one you know the tenth inning of normal baseball rules. You don't have ghost runner or beer league softball rules, and then you implement the runner in scoring position going further. I just, and then to not have it in the postseason, I
1: just, I don't like it. So Ed will not have a, uh, a comment on the uh, new rules as they will not be in place for Big East baseball. Uh, but Coach will join us coming up at uh, 8.30. They open up at McNeese State this uh, weekend with a lot of depth on the mound. That'll be uh, a familiar theme for Creighton this year. Uh, also, Brian Christopherson and Andy Kendi will uh, stop by. All before we're out of here on a uh, Tuesday. On Mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone.